You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Sam, when you hear Christmas, what foods come to mind? It's a great question, Charmaine. Mmm. Let's think: turkey, pigs in blankets,、mm-hmm. uh, gravy, roast potatoes, in goose fat. Goose. Oh my gosh!、Absolutely. Definitely in goose fat. What about you, Charmaine? What comes to mind? Well. Actually, for me, it's、uh, it's actually a roast chicken stuffed with glutinous rice. Wow! It's, <laughs> it's um it's a it's a dish that my dad does because、uh-huh. you know in Hong Kong your ovens are just tiny or non-existent. So、mm-hmm. he actually does a Chinese style roasted chicken, and he like does the glutinous rice、mm-hmm. in the wok, and then he stuffs it in the bird,、mm-hmm. and it's amazing. I mean, yeah, it's a it's a classic thing because we don't do turkey. It's、okay. just the three of us, so a massive turkey would just have us eating until like Chinese New Year or something. Fair enough. How about you? Just always the traditional, yeah. As everybody knows, you know, Christmas is a big family event, so we all、mm. get around the table and we we get a big turkey. We have stuffing. We have the、mm, the roast、stuffing. spuds. We have、uh, we have parsnips. The whole shebang and a lot of、uh, wine accompanies. Oh this, yeah, of course. of course. But did you know, Charmaine? That in Japan, it ain't turkey. It's actually more akin to what your family does, and I should imagine a lot of Chinese families. Chicken is the order of the day,、mm-hmm. and not just any chicken. What chicken do you think it is? Ooh, fried chicken. Fried chicken, <laughs> of course. KFC. KFC. It's a cultural phenomenon in Japan at Christmas time. The Japanese go crazy for it. Cultural icon. Cultural icon. A culinary icon. Absolutely. So, yep, the American fast food chain with Colonel Sanders at the helm as its mascot. Today, we're going to explore how such an American brand has evolved into a Japanese holiday staple. I'm Sam Evans, and I'm Charmaine Mock, and this, this is Eat, Eat Drink, Drink Asia. Asia. So Sam, what is the backstory to Japan's KFC Christmas tradition? How did it all begin? So we're going to have to go back to the 1960s. This was after World War II, and Japan's economy was absolutely booming. So people had all the purchasing power in the world to indulge in consumer goods, and the American occupation was over as well. But the U.S. was still such a cultural powerhouse over there. Japanese people during that time had a lot of interest in everything American, from fashion to music to food. Second thing to note is that only one to two percent of the Japanese population is Christian, so there aren't many established Christmas traditions in the country. And it wasn't then until the 1970s when KFC opened its first store in Japan. The manager of the store, Takeshi Okawara, allegedly overheard a foreign customer say, "I can't get turkey in Japan, so I have no choice but to celebrate Christmas with Kentucky Fried Chicken." So that was was that a good American accent? And that inspired Okawara to sell KFC buckets for Christmas. His idea came to fruition in 1974 when KFC released a nationwide promotion with the slogan. Kurisumasu ni wa Kentucky, meaning Kentucky for Christmas. That was an amazing American accent. I just have to say. Thank you, thank you. But out of all the American brands that could have been popular during Christmas, why KFC? Why does KFC stand out? I think it has something to do with the abundance of advertising that KFC did. Kentucky Fried Chicken, Banzai, Banzai. 
in the 1981 documentary, The Colonel Goes to Japan, it shows how TV commercials played a crucial role in KFC's marketing strategy. Adapting Kentucky Fried Chicken advertising to the Japanese consumer is another of Shin's major responsibilities. This year, the company will spend $5 million on television commercials alone. The themes Shin has chosen for the TV campaign are authenticity, the Americanness of the product, and, believe it or not, its aristocratic elegance. Chicken Christmas! A KFC ad in the 1970s and 80s would come with a catchy jingle and showcase a family enjoying a great feast of golden fried chicken. It didn't take long for the country of Japan to view KFC as an elegant, authentic American way to celebrate Christmas. So what actually was in the first edition of KFC's Christmas Bucket? The bucket is more or less the same as what you get now. It's eight pieces of KFC's original fried chicken, but in 1974 it came with wine, and the total meal cost 2,900 yen, which is around 10 US dollars. Yeah, that's a bargain. Absolutely. So you said KFC's Christmas promotion started in 1974. That's nearly 50 years ago. So has it evolved in any way since then? You know, people's tastes change over time. Uh, did KFC change its menu to match that? Uh, they've certainly gone all in for the Christmas campaign since then. Merry Christmas! Kentucky Advertisements both on TV and on social media play a huge role in drumming up excitement for the fried chicken. And now KFC stores across Japan have statues of Colonel Sanders dressed in Santa costumes. And I'm not sure if it's because people's changing tastes or if it's just a marketing strategy, but there are now Christmas exclusive menu items like premium roast chicken stuffed with cheese and mushrooms and handheld chicken pot pies. KFC's original fried chicken is still at the centerpiece of the meal, but instead of wine, it's now accompanied with cake, and different sides are served every year. For example, this year's comes with a shrimp gratin and chocolate cake. Last year, the sides were chicken rice gratin and cheesecake. To top it all off, each order comes with a commemorative Christmas plate. And how much does a bucket cost now? This year's bucket is currently selling at 4,700 yen, which is around 33 US dollars. I mean, that's not exactly cheap for fast food, but I mean, how popular is KFC's Christmas bucket? How many people purchase it every year? According to media reports, an estimated 3.6 million Japanese families eat KFC during the Christmas season. And according to KFC, sales from these Christmas buckets account for about a third of the chain's annual sales in Japan. It's crazy. That is crazy. I mean, they should probably just consider selling buckets all year round. Yeah, absolutely. But... Do they have to reserve their buckets ahead of time? They are highly encouraged to, yeah. KFC opens pre-orders for its Christmas meals as early as late October. There's also an early bird special. So for those who make the reservation by December the 11th, they get 200 yen off. And that's obviously just to, uh, for logistics, so KFC know how many people they're going to have to be cooking chicken for. But even on the days leading up to Christmas, particularly on December the 23rd and 24th, it's very common to find long lines forming outside KFC chains across the country. And how much money is this generating for KFC? Uh, we couldn't find any exact numbers, but there's no doubt that Christmas is the most profitable holiday for KFC in Japan. To put things into perspective, KFC's sales on Christmas Eve are about five to ten times more than typical days. 
And Sam, you've lived in Japan for quite a number of years. Did you ever eat KFC on Christmas Day? I'm ashamed to say I didn't. Uh, we are going back to a pre-COVID time when flights were reasonable. So in my seven years living there, I actually only spent one Christmas Day in Japan. I would get out and explore Asia. But I got a couple of Japanese friends still living there. And one of my friends, she gave some interesting insight into it. A lot of Japanese people do it. I mean, as well as the marketing, the masterful marketing campaign, that went mm -hmm. on from KFC. A lot of it is to do with uh, space. You know, a lot of Japanese people, especially in the cities, they have tiny kitchens and they don't have the, the big ovens that, you know, we'll, we'll have in Western countries. And on top of that, you know, the work culture over there, a lot of people are out working or, you know, if stay-at-home parents are just too busy to go shopping, prepping, cooking, a huge... Christmas dinner. So, you know, this is the perfect convenient example for a holiday that the Japanese don't treat quite as seriously as uh, Christian Western countries do. You know, they see it as a bit of fun and it's nowhere near as serious as uh, Shogatsu, like the New mm. Year celebrations. So, you know, they just have fun with it. This is a great way to have, you know, a Western American brand on the table and have Christmas fun. It makes a lot of sense. And I just love the idea of people reserving their spot to collect a bucket of KFC for Christmas Day. It's almost as though, you know, it's it's getting so popular that to be able to actually procure a bucket is like the ultimate status symbol. It's like, I have in my possession the Christmas Kentucky <laughs> fried it. chicken. I have Christmas in my hands. I have Christmas in my hands. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like all I want for Christmas is KFC. <laughs> KFC. Yeah, I think there's there's probably a degree of that. So, for example, I talked to my Japanese friend this year and they're going to be hosting a, uh, a Christmas Eve party at their house. And for that, I don't actually think they have a reservation. I think they're going to go and queue up. But Ooh, uh, they said they're nervous daring. about that. They're gonna, Yeah, exactly. They're going to expect the queues. Uh, but yeah, once they have that chicken, yeah, I mean, that is that's Christmas in a in a bucket or in mm -hmm. a box. You know, it's it's really uh, emblematic of like the, the, the Western season's greetings. Christmas ni wa Kentucky. <laughs> KFC has definitely left its mark on Christmas because not only are people buying KFC for their holiday meals, they're also making homemade fried chicken in their own kitchens. And some chefs are serving fried chicken in their French bistros during this time of year. To find out more, we're turning to two guests today, Susan Jung and Daniel Calvert. Hey, Susan. Hey, Daniel. Hello. Hey, Charmaine. How are you doing? All good. Great to have you guys on the show today. So just a brief intro for the both of you. Susan used to work at the SCMP as the food and drinks editor, so my predecessor, and has since written a whole cookbook on fried chicken. She's currently calling us from Los Angeles, California. Daniel is the head chef of two Michelin star restaurants in Tokyo called Cezanne. He also runs a French bistro restaurant in the Four Seasons Hotel Tokyo, Maison Marinochi. Before Tokyo, Daniel worked in restaurants in London, Paris, New York, and, of course, Hong Kong. So, Daniel, let's start with you. Your restaurant, Maison Marinochi, is now serving fried chicken. How did you actually come up with this menu? Well, uh, I spent a lot of time in New York, five years actually, and I worked with a guy from Charleston. He was from South Carolina. And we, we were worked together, per se, for a number of years. And, I, and we also used to talk about the future. And I said, what do you want to do? 
And of course, he would say to me, what do you want to do? And I said, you know, I want to open this. I want to win Michelin stars, this, this, and this. And I said, what do you want to do? He said, I want to go back to Charleston and I want to open a fried chicken shop. So we always used to laugh about it, but actually he did it. And it turns out to be some of the best fried chicken in Charleston that they have. It's very popular. It's called Kinfolk. So when we opened this place here, I said to him, look, you know, you're one of my best friends. I want to put your fried chicken on the menu. Can you give me a recipe? He said, yes, no problem. And to be honest, when I made it, I have to say it's definitely the best Southern fried chicken I've ever had. And that's not down to me. That's uh, that's the power of friendship, I think. <laughs> it sounds amazing. I've never actually gotten a chance to try it. So maybe next time. Oh, you've got to come. Yeah, got to have it. I have. <laughs> Susan's at it. What's your take on it, Susan? I had written my cookbook and it had been published already, but I'm still searching for the ultimate fried chickens. And so when I tasted his... His was one of the recipes that I wish I had included in my book. (laughs) Thank you, Susan. For the reprint, we'll put me in. Yes, part two. So, Daniel, how do you prepare this fried chicken, if you're allowed to tell us? Uh, Do you have a a special recipe? Yeah, absolutely. So, generally, for for southern fried chicken, you're going to brine it in in a solution of salt, sugar, water, uh, many spices and herbs and stuff. However, with this recipe, we actually brine it in a pickle. So it's the additional vinegar inside, vinegar and a lot of sugar, which sounds a bit strange to, to pickle chicken before you fry it. But actually, it leads to uh, not too heavy, not too greasy, light finish on, on your fried chicken and slightly sweeter as well because of that vinegar and that sugar. So that, I'd say that's the definite different factor in, in, in terms of this fried chicken, how it is so addictive and, and how you can really eat more than one piece. So I had heard, perhaps from Susan, that there's a little secret that you have for the end of this recipe, something about dipping the chicken uh, again yeah. in a special oil. Yeah. So once it's been brined for 24 hours, we, we dredge it with flour and a combination of spices in the morning. And, you know, that's chili powder, garlic powder, onion powder, paprika. And that gets done twice, once in the morning. So it sits for a good eight hours or so. And then just before we fry again, we dredge again with flour, we fry it. Then... When it comes out the fry, we drain it, we let it sit, and then we dip it back in a spiced duck fat with a lot of those similar spices with a touch more chili in it. And then it comes out and then we dust it with the, with the dry rub after that. So it's that duck fat, which kind of, of course, it's going to taste greasy, it tastes like fried oil, but it actually takes away that and adds a certain, you know, fatty goodness to it rather than just a fry. Ooh, that sounds so good. Yeah. <laughs> Mouth watering. So, I mean, what has been the reception for this fried chicken of yours? Like, what do customers make comparisons to, especially, you know, in regards to, say, KFC or even like the local favorite, Famichiki? Uh, we get a lot of guests coming to Cezanne and they're like, can we finish with fried chicken? And, you know, it's a difficult one because we spend the whole day making all this beautiful food and then and then they can't wait to have the fried chicken at the end of the menu. So uh, I am I'm pretty, pretty happy about it because it's nice such a humble thing can be well received. You know, we have a lot of pre-orders for for this time of year, especially in Japan. People love fried chicken for Christmas. Um, so we actually developed our own box. So you can order it from from the hotel and uh, take it away. Does it have your face on it as uh, Colonel no, Sanders? No, not yet. I, I, I'm debating. Maybe next year. <laughs> Let's see. And how about Susan first? Like, have you tried one of these KFC Christmas buckets before? Um no, because I don't think, well, okay, KFC is not my favorite fried chicken. If I were to do fast food fried chicken for Christmas, it would be Jollibee because I think Jollibee is far superior. But actually, I I have served my own homemade fried chicken for Christmas many years ago when I was living in Hong Kong in a tiny little flat, uh, which didn't have an oven. So I made fried chicken for dinner and I invited about 
eight people over. Um, and my flat was so small that it didn't have a dining table. So we sat around on the floor uh, eating fried chicken. And one of my friends brought that was uh, Winston Churchill's favorite. She brought a bottle of that. So we had fried chicken and this most marvelous champagne. Oh, that wow. is a classic combination. Yeah, it's kind of, I like the uh, kind of contrast between you guys, the image of you guys sitting on your apartment floor eating fried chicken with some classy champagne that Winston Churchill yes. liked. You know, that's a, a great scene right there. I hope it wasn't from a plastic cup, though. <laughs> it probably, it might have been. I don't think I had enough champagne flutes. And how about you, Daniel? Have you tried the KFC Christmas bucket since moving to Japan? Of course. Of course I have. You know, it's uh, it's a reservation thing. You know that, right? You have to make a reservation for, for KFC in Japan because they get so busy. So you actually call them or, or you can book on the website and you book your pickup slot of, of when you want to pick up your KFC from your certain shop. Of course, it's good. Like, I, I don't mind KFC. I don't eat that much fast food, to be honest. But I do think, especially in Japan, you know, it's not as greasy, it's not as heavy as elsewhere. Jollibee, I, I haven't seen one here, Susan. Is there, is there one here? I don't know if they have it in Japan, but mm. in Hong Kong, it's, it's really big and it's super delicious. But if I were in Japan, I would just order a lot of famichiki or <laughs> yeah. from 7-Eleven because I, I think that fried chicken is also fantastic. And I wish I had included a Japanese convenience store fried chicken in my books as well. Mm. Family Mart, they do. They also do the, yeah, the similar thing to KFC where you can order your buckets and, and all that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit crazy that you have to book your bucket of fried chicken in advance. I mean, how far ago did you actually reserve yours? We, we did it about three or four weeks in advance. This was last year. It's almost maybe almost a little easier to get a reservation in a nice restaurant around this time of year. I think it's easier to book Cezanne than it is to get KFC. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Susan, you mentioned that you, you made fried chicken for your, you, did you say you had eight guests or there were eight of you in your small Hong Kong apartment? What did you cook for that time? Is it the classic KFC style fried chicken or is it something unique for the holidays? different seasoning or is there a different frying method? Is there anything special, any special touches that you give it? Well, I think that was a, a one-off thing. I mean, I, I've done it just a couple of times and only because my, my place was too small for the oven. So back then I used to do a classic, it was Thomas Keller's recipe, actually. Thomas Keller, he's famous for French laundry, of course, but he also has a restaurant called was it Bouchon or was it per se? Ad hoc. Ad hoc. Oh, yes. Ad hoc fried chicken. And um, it was really delicious. And I actually had the audacity to change his recipe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was a basic recipe, but he uses a brine. And my fridge was too small to do a brine. So I did a dry brine. And he also doesn't let the chicken sit out, uh, which I think is a Chinese technique where you dredge the chicken in the coating and he fries it right away. But I let it sit out on a rack so the coating stuck better to the chicken before frying it. So uh, Daniel, next time you see Thomas, tell him he can his recipe can be improved. I'll let him, I'll <laughs> let him know for sure. I'll definitely pass on the message to him. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and importantly, Susan, what did your guests, what do, what do they say about eating your fried chicken? What's the reaction that you generally get if you're doing it in this kind of unique uh, way of taking a recipe and then, you know, just tweaking it a little bit? 
Everybody loves my fried chicken. It's fantastic. And I always make enough so that people can take some home. Because I think what's great about fried chicken is that it's not that expensive to make. So that means you can serve it lavishly. You can serve huge quantities of it. Everybody can eat as much as they want. They don't have to worry about, oh, there's not enough you know, thighs or, or drumsticks um, because I make extra thighs and drumsticks because that's what most people like. And then take some home for the next day. Amazing. And I mean, talking about different types of fried chicken as well, uh, Susan, I want to ask you first, how do you think fried chicken in the West, like KFC, Southern Fried Chicken, compared to fried chicken in, say, East Asia, Southeast Asia? I mean, in your cookbook, you have a lot of recipes for a whole range of Asian fried chicken. So what are the main differences, you think? Well, I have 60 recipes in Gong Bao and Beyond, and I think the flavor palette in East and Southeast Asia is just so much more broad than in the South, where they have recipes that, you know, 11 herbs and spices, you know, really the flavor palette in in East and Southeast Asia is far bigger than 11 herbs and spices. And I heard that um, what made KFC popular is that there was this mysterious spice that people couldn't figure out. To them, it was a little bit exotic. And it turned out to be white pepper. (laughs) <laughs> now, <laughs> white pepper to me is not an exotic um, spice. What would they think of, you know, um, belachan? You know, belachan is, you know, shrimp paste or lemongrass or curry leaf or salted egg yolks, which are recipes that I, or ingredients that I used in, in some of my recipes. There's so much more interesting than, you know, the 11 herbs and spices. It's just, there's so many different ways to mix these different flavorings. And there's just so many things that people might find far more exotic than white pepper. And Daniel, I mean, how about you? You've been eating a lot of different fried chicken in in Tokyo, you know, from karage to other types. So tell us about what you've noticed. Hmm. I think the chicken's different, right? And I, th- I don't know what Jollibee uses in Hong Kong, but I know in in Japan the chicken is a lot leaner and it's not as not juicy, but or greasy. It's more like fatty, I think, and it, it's always a bit of a cleaner cleaner finish. And and the and the crust is always a bit more um, not bready, but A little more fine, I think. Well, I think in Hong Kong, we're very lucky because we get really good fresh chickens. When I did some of the fried chicken recipes, when we were trying to photograph some of the recipes from my book, when we were in London, I actually had to change the recipes slightly to deal with the British fried chickens because they just didn't fry up as well. So in Hong Kong, we get fresh local chickens and they're quite reasonable in price and i think if you're going to make fried chicken in hong kong try to buy a local one a local chicken uh, to both of you susan and daniel besides japan is there anywhere else in asia that you guys can think of uh, where people eat fried chicken for christmas or is it a very much just a japanese thing what about korea i know they love fried chicken but is it, is mm. it a christmas thing it's a good question it's an all year round thing yeah, <laughs> yeah they eat it all the time then, uh, yeah, I guess it must be just the Japanese at Christmas. It's like eating Chinese food on, on Christmas, isn't it, in, in New York? Who, who, people mm. do that too, right? Yeah, I've heard they do. But that reminds me, Daniel. So before we had this uh, little talk, I asked if you'd actually tried. So KFC Japan has just introduced a limited-time spicy miso garlic fried chicken, which sounds amazing. Yes, and uh, I haven't personally, but my wife is currently very pregnant, and she is craving 
all kinds of greasy, fatty food. She'll probably hate me for telling you, but she has tried it and she loved it. (laughs) Congratulations. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. But it sounds amazing. Yeah. She said it was like like a Korean style, like spicy garlicky and and, and all that kind of stuff, right? If I remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, um, so it's coated in a flavorful batter infused with spicy togarashi, miso garlic and daobanjang. So yeah, it's a bit inspired from uh, Jigae. It sounds delicious. Yeah, I'm going to try and get one this weekend. That I'm going to include that one in my next book as well. <laughs> I was just about to say, Susan, you need to write a second edition and I include do. not only Daniel's Fried Chicken, but Fami Chiki. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now this special edition KFC. Yep, I need to. And any other requests that we may have. <laughs> yeah, I'll send them through. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for chatting fried chicken. I feel like we could definitely keep on going. Indeed. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks, guys, for your time. Thank you so much, guys. Lovely to talk to you all. Lovely to talk to you. Happy holidays to everybody. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Well, Sam, there's only one way to end this episode, and that's with a KFC bucket of our own. Like Japan, KFC in Hong Kong also sells Christmas party buckets. And uh, we've got some of the chicken in front of us right now. So let's dig in. What we've got is a mix of flavors. We've got the the OG, original crispy chicken. And KFC actually has a spicy cup noodle flavor version right now. So it kind of just looks like there's a bit of a spicy... MSGE mm-hmm. powdery substance that's been coated over the chicken. I'm loving the packaging. Oh, yeah. The packaging is beautiful, right? It's got uh, some very cute, cartoony Christmas trees. Uh, it was. I'm looking for Colonel Sanders. Is the Col- No, Colonel nope. Sanders is not dressed he- as Santa Claus on this. But, of course, you got the tagline. It's finger licking good right there. Yep. Should we dig in? in? Should we do the original recipe first? Yeah, it's, the it's original just bog first. standard. Okay, right. So, first of all, Charmaine, I'm going to allow you to can choose the the leg or the breast. Is that? I'm gonna get the leg because it's smaller. Of course, yeah. Go for it. First reactions. Mm. Tastes like KFC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's not very crunchy though. You can't. You couldn't even hear. It's kind of. Well. Mm. Yeah. Let me. Well. Yeah. It's KFC. Yeah, it's not particularly crispy today, this one, is it? But no. But it's, um, the flavor is there. The flavor I mean, is there. It's super nostalgic to me, Yeah, I think. I haven't had KFC in years. But yeah. it really is all about those, was it, the 11 secret spices that includes white pepper. Yeah, agreed, agreed. <laughs> you, do you get that white pepper coming I, through? I can definitely, yeah, I can definitely that taste that That exotic spice. Pepper. That exotic <laughs> spice, yeah. It is, it's lovely. I mean, it's KFC. Lovely. Finger looking good. I mean, just wiped my fingers on the napkin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it is. Okay, and now uh, I suppose, yeah, we're going to move on to the uh, the cup noodle spice. Yeah, well, I guess you can have the drumstick. Let's dig into this. Right, so the smell. Yeah. Don't breathe too hard. You might get like a <laughs> nose full of instant noodle powder. Yeah. It definitely smells. It smells like before you pour the water into a cup noodle, which makes sense because it's full of that powder. So comforting. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a nice, uh, it's a nostalgic, I wouldn't say childhood, but for me, it's a, a taste of like early 20s, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's it's uni food, college food, right? It's now food. Now, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm now food sometimes. Oh, that has a nice crunch. Much nicer. We can oh. tell just by the look. 
Oh yeah, yeah, that's that's really nice. Got a really crispy bit mm. here. Yeah, crunchy, a little bit spicy, but not not overpowering to be honest. It's pretty subtle. Right. Wow, that mm -hmm. really tastes like. Have you ever had um, like mommy noodles? Mommy noodles. So it's literally just a instant noodle mm -hmm. snack that you crumble up and then you put in the instant noodle flavoring and shake it all up like shake shake fries. Yep, yeah. I have. It's I've basically had like, like that. that. Yep, it is. It is. Oh, also, we also got the special hazelnut and chocolate uh, Portuguese tart. Oh, there you go. That looks so lovely. a lot of Hong Kongers have a nostalgia for the KFC Portuguese tarts. Some oh. of them say it's even better than what they get in Macau oh, or Portugal. Those are five in words. Yeah, I know, I know. But I think it's a, a lot to do with nostalgia again. Mm -hmm. So this is a special edition. Uh, it's got a giant marshmallow, I think, wow. kind of melted on top. Yeah. But the pastry looks kind of, it doesn't look half bad. It looks good. Kind of flaky. And it's still warm. Oh, that's good. That's a big plus. <laughs> a big plus. Oh, I can hear that crisp. Mmm. Is that good? Mmm. What's is that chocolate? So it's basically like Nutella uh -huh. inside. You still got a little bit of the custard. It's a little bit too sweet with the marshmallow. I think that was a bit of an overkill. Okay. But hey, not not bad. Not bad. <laughs> not bad at all. <laughs> Does it finish off the meal quite well? I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it almost tastes like if you mashed a Portuguese egg tart with a Ferrero. Oh, there you go. So I think it's that hazelnut chocolate paste. Sounds very decadent. This is a pretty good, you know, lunchtime meal, I would say. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, is it something that you'd have for Christmas? Um, I think, for me personally, I think I'd rather I'd stick traditional because, you know, Christmas is, you know, it's very much interwoven into my culture growing up. So, you know, it's, uh, I think the KFC wouldn't quite do it justice for me, but I can totally understand how, you know, if you're in the mood for a bit of fun and you just kind of want to play with the Christmas idea a little bit. I think it's perfect for that. You know, it's a nice, easy, tasty, finger-licking good meal. What <laughs> Are about you paying you, Sam? <laughs> <laughs> I know. What but about yeah, you? yeah, I, can, I, I see what you mean, too, because, you know, it's easy. Um, you know, we walked down to the KFC earlier, mm -hmm. and it was kind of fun, you know, kind of nostalgic yeah. going there, actually. Yeah. They well, had lots of fun advertising, like floating... Uh, pieces of chicken on the stairs, yeah. there was like a mural of Colonel Sanders, uh -huh. and yeah. I wouldn't knock it. Yeah, I think it definitely gets you in the Christmas spirit, especially if you go to KFC, as you just said, Charmaine. And uh, one thing that we could not get for our festive lunchtime treat was the cheesy fondue. The cheese fondue, yeah. You Do you have to order that? You so have you to have to pre-order that. that, apparently. Yeah, yeah. I love the tagline, was it like, have a warm-hearted and cheesy Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Love a pun. Yeah, love a good pun. Well, I'm glad you've enjoyed it, Charmaine. We've enjoyed it here, and mm -hmm. we've got a lovely little Christmas meal, even if not for the traditionalists. Uh, but that's all we have time for on this episode of Eat Drink Asia. Don't forget to check out all our previous episodes on Dim Sum and Century Eggs. They're all on your podcast feed. And for more stories about food and drinks in Asia, make sure to go to scmp.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. And, and Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.